0: Hello, it's Deb, the host of Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today I'm talking to Anthony, the host of Unidentified S4, alongside co-host Andy Gambino. Anthony is a former police officer and supports the PBA or Paralyzed Veterans of America Fund. He is also a New Yorker who has had multiple UAP sightings many of which occurred above Staten Island. Many of his encounters have been filmed and photographed and and are available on his YouTube channel. Welcome, Anthony. Hello. Thank you for having me. Nice to be here. I'm very glad to be able to talk to you. And the most pressing question that I want to start with, what does the S4 stand for? What is the S4?
1: (laughs) That that goes back to uh, Bob Lazar's uh, story at uh, area 51 he said he had worked at s4 Okay. and back when i was coming up with the channel name it was I, unidentified to start
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there was so many unidentified shows and channels that nobody could find the show so i had to add something at the end and i felt the only logical thing to add at the end was s4 because it was ufo related and it's a great story
0: so okay. that's where that comes from so are you a supporter of the bob lazar story in that case
1: uh, I think it's it's a very cool story. Uh, you know maybe some bits and pieces I don't believe a hundred percent but I've heard uh, Jim Goodall uh, talk about it multiple times and he tells it with such enthusiasm uh, as well as so many other people mm-hmm. uh, that really dug into Bob's life. So I mean I really I, I would love to believe it wholeheartedly. I believe it maybe mm-hmm. we'll say about 80 percent of the story, mm-hmm. I'll say but uh, yeah, I think Bob's great and he's a humble person so and he's not out there to really you know make money on anything he tries to stay in the shadows but it's a phenomenal story right
0: and i actually got an opportunity to speak to someone who used to work at area 51 and whether or not his story is 100 percent, there's just some really odd things about it like they literally have a path that they have to walk on when they're there like they cannot yeah. stray from the path and they have a lot of cameras keeping track of the employees so yeah. it's an interesting place, obviously a necessary place for us to do some experiments, right? Definitely.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure there's other places, too, that are just like it mm-hmm. that we, we don't even know about yet.
0: Right. Absolutely. I, and, and I know that we do have, of course, underground bases. It's something that, that's not really hidden from us. So there's some some things that might come out of those one day that we'll find out about in, what, 50 years, right? Hopefully.
1: Hopefully. <laughs> right.
0: So um, your take on Bob Lazar makes me um, want to ask you, do you think that you come with to this topic with a little bit of like a healthy dose of skepticism or do you feel like you're wholeheartedly in with everything? Uh,
1: well, I had a, a sighting when I was 13 years old on Staten Island that completely opened my mind up to everything. Uh, I was uh, We would ride dirt bikes in the woods by my house when I was a kid. And it was around lunchtime when I had stopped and I was checking the bike for gas. I remember I was drinking water. Uh, My friends were still riding deep out in the woods. And I just sat on my bike and was just hanging out, taking a break because we were out from like 7 o'clock in the morning. So I was kind of beat. And I remember looking out towards my house, which was about half a mile out towards the street. And I noticed a triangular object uh, floating into the woods. Uh, That craft ended up getting about 80 feet before my location. It it was quite high. It was probably over 2,000 feet up. uh, And it had stopped once it reached about 80 feet uh, prior to reaching my location. And uh, I remember staring up at this craft and thinking as a 13-year-old, wow, is that the stealth bomber? And trying to recall in my head, wow, does the stealth bomber hover and stop? And I remember looking up underneath it, and it was like a sheet of uh, this beautiful crystal black glass. And as I'm looking up at this thing, uh, another identical triangle triangle craft uh, floated to the left side of it, and then they sat side by side with each other. Well, the next thing I, I knew from that, about five and a half hours, almost six hours had passed. So it was 12 o'clock in the afternoon, and I came to, and it was about six o'clock at night almost, and my parents and my sister... They were all screaming my name in the woods. They couldn't find me because I never had come home. And uh, I remember telling my mom and my dad, I, I've been here on this spot the entire time. And my parents like, we walked back and forth in the woods for hours. I was going to call the cops. We were so worried. You never came home. We thought you crashed. And I remember it as I, I'm like, my, I swear I was right here in this spot the whole time. But uh, that's all I remember. Seeing the craft, uh, staring up at it with my mouth agape and in awe at what I was looking at. And next thing I came to, and it was almost, uh, you know, the sun was going down. I don't remember being on board a craft or anything like that, but I definitely had missing time. And from that point on, that was in 1993, from that point on, I w- I totally started to enamor myself in the subject every which way possible. And uh, I fell in love with it.
0: Right. I feel like it gets you and you just can't. It doesn't let you go, right? Once you're no. in, you're in.
1: You go yeah. down that rabbit hole and that's it.
0: Yeah, it's I had, I had such a different experience. I did have um, a sighting and I just kept going like I was about five years ago. I just it didn't grab me. But then out of the blue, like about five months ago, I guess it is now. I just had to do this. Like I had to like out of the blue. No reason. Yep. I didn't know yep. about the videos. I didn't know about um, the the article. That was put out. I didn't know about ATIF, nothing. And then it's like a compulsion now.
1: Right. When I had gotten started, I wasn't familiar with anything of the subject. You know, you see alien movies when you're a kid or cartoons, so you're Mm -hmm. familiar with the the joking aspect of it. But I wasn't – I didn't even know there was a community that spoke about it or other people that had sightings like I had had. And once you go down that rabbit hole, there's so much information to dig through – so much footage to dig through it's it's wild so i fell in love with that at a very young age after that had happened and then when i was 19 i had a motorcycle accident where i almost died i got hit by a, a rider moving truck uh, head on i was clipped and uh i actually died on the scene and my bike got thrown i had broken bones everywhere i had road rash everywhere i bit my tongue off it was really bad accident. But I remember falling and, and waking right up, and uh, I ended up in a field, and I describe it as the sky looked a beautiful twilight color with the pinks and the blues. It was it was like a beautiful painting, and I was in very tall grass, I remember, and I remember a figure walking towards me, but I couldn't make it out. It was blurry and distorted, and I remember yelling to that person, I had an accident. Do you see my motorcycle? I can't find it in the tall grass. I don't know where it's the bike got thrown and the person came closer and closer and closer. And then I seen the person, a tall guy, black curly hair mustache. And he had explained to me, I was in an accident and that I'm safe. And then he had asked me if I wanted to go home. And I had said, I want to find my motorcycle first. And uh, he said, you know, I I really have to ask you. We don't have a lot of time. Do you want to go home? And I said, of course I want to go home, but I need to find the bike. And the person reached out for my chest like he was going to touch my heart and it, he went right through me and I woke up in the ambulance being defibrillated and a couple months went by it took a long time to start talking again and all of that and I was telling my mom the story and she said that sounds that guy sounds very familiar so she was going through photos from when I was a child and it just so happened I keep the photo by me now all the time my godfather is that man his name's Michael uh, the last time I seen him, I was nine months old and he died in a tow truck accident. And that was the man I seen when I was in that field, uh, oh, that, that, that place that was the guy. So, now I keep, he's my good luck charm. I keep that picture on my desk all the time because wow. it was just a wild experience. Uh, I've been on two wild rides in my life so far.
0: Right. I did see, um, cause you know, I looked at your YouTube channel that you also had, um, a very lucid, um, dream that was rather detailed and it actually the interesting thing about your dream which i'll let you elaborate on is the comment about the cord um because i that's something i've been saying recently so when i saw that yesterday i was like someone else knows about the cord um so that's attached to you yes that attaches to your origin being so to right. speak right but it goes yeah. all the way back to god essentially whatever god is you know like i use that word loosely but um i've tried to explain that a few times to people that i feel like there's like a string you know it's like a string that goes all the way back i know exactly what you're talking about mm-hmm. and yeah. i don't I, but you mentioned it comes from the head i had no idea where it came from i just sensed that it was there it's so Interesting how often um, something that I just appear to um, learn about is something someone else is experiencing. So I've really appreciated that. So I don't know if you want to jump ahead to tell that story now, but yeah, that that's I've I've had
1: a couple uh, very uh, I'd say very elusive deep dreams where they felt so real uh, that I woke up. And, and was terrified. That's how you know real these experiences felt. Um, I've had one experience where uh, I had fallen asleep on the couch and I wake up to a bunch of beings in my living room and my dog, who's always next to me barking, but I, I can't hear the dog barking. It's just like no, nothing coming out of his mouth. And I was taken by the hand and we walked right through a wall. They took me right through the wall of the house. And we went through the wall, I ended up in this – their world, I I would call it. And we were inside a clear dome on their planet. And they were showing me everything, and they were explaining that it's imperative that we tell the military that they cannot bring nuclear weapons to space. Cannot happen because they're going to be factions of other extraterrestrials that they hold back right now. But if we bring these nuclear weapons to space – they're going to have no way to hold them back anymore. And it's going to start this big war. And it was very important that uh, I was being told this and I would have to explain it to everybody that would listen. That's how they made it seem to me. And uh, I had woken up after that and it, it had felt so real. I, I remember it was like six o'clock in the morning. I woke my wife up and I was like, I, I have to tell you this dream I had. It was so real. And she's like, come back to bed and you nuts. And I'm like, no, I'm dead serious. It was so real. I felt their hands in my hands. I felt air on my face. Very odd. But coming back to what you're talking about, um, I believe that cord that's attached to you is your consciousness uh, keeping you attached to your physical body, uh, maybe while you astral travel. So now I'm coming, as I talk to more people in the field that are really familiar with this, I'm coming to believe that maybe it's not dreams I'm having, but maybe I'm able to astral travel in deep sleep, maybe that is a real thing because it's happened more than once now. So, um, I'll be diving into that now.
0: Well, a lot of the, um, experiences that I've had lately, um, other than obviously the nuts and bolts, the part of seeing, um, two objects, the first one I mentioned briefly, another was just an orb. Um, is it, they tend to happen when I'm meditating, um, so, I imagine if you meditated, you would access that as well. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah. I so, meditate all the time. Right. And, you know, it's so interesting because, like, I've, I've gone down um, the rabbit hole of looking at consciousness. Of course, like, it doesn't take long once you study this, that, that's important. Um, right. And I've learned that scientists are really learning a lot more about the human body and how it acts and potential uh, antenna beacon kind of effects and all kinds of stuff um and i i noticed that there's an increase in some of the brain activity when you meditate and i wonder if that helps you connect to some of these things grant cameron says that you know when you dream when you have lucid dreams when you meditate or when you're having an experience all three can be taking you to a different realm so to speak
1: very true. Very possible. Right. Doctor Greer uh, touches on that a lot. He happens to believe that uh, the beings travel by the speed of thought, which is quanta, and they they use consciousness to travel. So he believes that there's nothing faster than the speed of thought. Which, if you really think about it, it would be true. Yeah. If well, they could, if they could have devised something to travel that way,
0: I would say. <laughs> From both something you said, something Grant Cameron said, and something I experienced in one of my meditations, I think in a way that's true. I think that they're using consciousness for the for the um, for the objects that they're flying. I, sometimes I have a hard time calling them craft because they're not exactly like our craft. You know, they're, no, they're not. my understanding is that they are living. Um, they're not exactly machines. Um, and I've also read about that in Artie Sixkiller Clark's book about Star People. Um, that these are controlled by consciousness. Um, they're controlled by our thoughts, or you know, their thoughts. But yeah,
1: from <laughs> so. from what I understand, the craft uh, organic.
0: Mm-hmm. From what
1: I've come to understand, uh, from what I've heard on multiple lectures, the the actual craft is created. Uh, but the DNA of the being that's gonna control it. That's how I come to understand it. So that craft has the same DNA that the being has, or same chemical makeup as that being, and they're able to use their mind, their consciousness, to focus in and control that craft wherever they wanna go, almost like a scout ship. So I would say that they send that, that's like their version of our drone, but so much more advanced. That's how I see it because I filmed them on more than one occasion now, and they're just orbs of light uh, that travel at high rates of speed that can do phenomenal things. I mean, I've seen some of these craft uh, come in from way up in the stratosphere all the way down to maybe a couple hundred feet off the ground and then shoot back off and out. Uh, So I don't know anything that we have that can do that. Uh, So it would have to be some form of extraterrestrial technology.
0: Right. Now... Some people um, argue that they are just living on their own, like those objects are alive on their own, um, that, that they I are themselves. That yeah, that they themselves are the extraterrestrials, you know, so like it's kind of, you know, we ha- we're we all over with the, uh, the hypotheses of what this is. And I'm trying not to be biased, but I know that I want it to be extraterrestrials, which is ah, why too. I want to, yeah, I want to ask what the beings looked like that you encountered because of that.
1: The ones that I encountered in that dream state were very tall. They had a very muscular, they were skinny, but they had a very muscular toned face. Um, they were very weird looking. Uh, they- I don't want to say like a grayish, pinkish, bluish color skin tone. Uh, very friendly. Uh, they didn't talk with their lips. I heard everything in my mind. Um, they, they did not scare me, although they were frightening to look at. But I did not feel frightened of them in that way, like I was going to be harmed. Um, they didn't have any as many fingers as us. they were longer. I mean, they were very tall, eight, nine feet tall, very lanky. Um, I didn't notice any clothing on them. Uh, but they didn't appear to be naked. I know that's going to sound very strange to you. It it almost no. appeared like they had uh, a, a a suit of some kind on that mm-hmm. matched their skin tone. I want to yes. say, yeah. Um, uh, bold, big eyes. Um, a couple of them had uh, eyes like ours, like colored uh, irises and pupils. But a few of them had the black eyes, and I was told that those black lids. Uh, some of them wear those. They're like sunglasses that they put over their eyes because uh, our realm, uh, I don't know, something's too powerful there for their eyes. So it's very possible that those are some to form of sunglass uh, that they wear uh, when they come here. Uh, have, their you read eyes
0: the, are, have you read The Day After Roswell yet?
1: I have not, no.
0: That, there's a mention of one of the things that they were looking at was basically like black contacts.
1: Black yeah, that's kind of that's kinda how uh yeah, like yeah, sunglasses, yeah. black contact lenses, yeah, absolutely. And some I kind of film that's over the eye,
0: definitely. Right. Cause I looked into that a little bit because some people are seeing beings with red eyes. Um, and I was wondering um if they're using the black lens, like sunglasses almost, right? Um, to protect those eyes. Um when It has to here. be.
1: It has right. to be. Because, on the as I remember the inside the dome looking out, I don't remember seeing a sun. Uh, it was bright, but not like bright on Earth. It was again like that twilight, uh, when the right before the sun comes up in the morning, uh, you could see everything in front of you, but it, it's not bright, just like that. That's how everything looked to me. Uh, but the sky had color in it, it was beautiful. And uh, maybe they don't have sun on their planet, maybe our sun is just too strong for them. Uh, so maybe when they yeah. travel here they wear those those things on their eyes
0: right. And actually, our eyes are unusual. I was just talking to Enzo about that when he came on uh, the dojo. Our eyes on the planet are unusual. The white part, especially like most um of the animals on the planet don't have eyes like ours. So when we judge, other species for their eyes it's kind of funny because ours are the ones <laughs> that are, don't really match Like True. Other, others are just like a complete like black ball or whatever red whatever the color you know And then we have some really strange creatures on the planet of course with like multiple eyes you know so right <laughs> but I, I was looking at it and i was thinking about squid and how they have the biggest eyes of, you know the whole planet and it's because they're in the darkest place um right. so, so they and they need to n- catch as much that, that they can right so i was thinking if you have bigger eyes you're probably in a darker place darker place right yeah it makes sense right and it also made me think if you're in a place where the sun may not be up to par or maybe dying what would you do and if we a human perspective is i would Probably try to move to another planet and repopulate, right? Of course, that. Right. I
1: mean, Elon Musk is talking about doing that now on Mars, uh, right. seeding the planet and putting uh, a colony on right. there to get started again.
0: Right. So did you? So other than the message that, of course, the military should not be starting a war in space, which would, of course, have huge ramifications for the entire universe, I imagine. Um, did you get any other messaging from your encounters? Uh, no, the, the,
1: the, the, whole focus is was, was we cannot under any circumstances bring nuclear weapons to space. Cause if we do, there's going to be all oh, hell's going to break loose. It's, it's basically how they broke it down to me. We have no right bringing any type of weaponry like that into space, um, uh,
0: and they were very adamant on that, right? Now, I, I think, um, if I were to say, I would, I would say that I get some kind of messaging. Also, um, it's, it's hard to describe. I don't have dreams like that. It's just like impressions, right? And mine is simply that you know, disclosure is going to happen in in a big way. It's going to happen fairly soon, um, and to get people ready. So it feels like people get handed different components, you know?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, what else I find very odd is I'll be sitting on the couch with my wife watching a movie, and out of nowhere, I'll get the, the strangest feeling. Like, I have to go outside right now and film. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've told my wife so many times, you know, at first she thought I was nuts, and then I took her out with me a couple of times. I'm like, I'm telling you, we have to go out right now come with me i'm gonna Mm. i have to go film and i set everything up and within 12 to 15 minutes i'm filming something and and i'm not talking a satellite passing i'm talking objects in the sky doing amazing things that i put on my channel and i i I, there's no rhyme or reason to it it just happens and it's so Mm. odd that you know you get that feeling and then you go out set your cameras up and film and you catch something I mean I know friends that have been trying to catch a strange object for months now and they haven't captured anything. Not right. saying that I'm I'm anyone special that I have powers that I could just do it, but 9 times out of 10 when I get that feeling mm-hmm. I will catch something.
0: I definitely get again that sense of like picking and choosing like they did the same with Dorothy uh, Izat, I think it's Izat, it. it. yeah. They did the same thing with her. They like let her know, come out now's the time to film. But with other people I've spoken to, they've said, don't film. It's this is for you, this is personal. Don't get the camera, just focus on what we're doing. So it's really, um, you know, it kind of goes to what Jack, uh, Jack has said that there's some kind of control, uh, in what's going on, some careful mechanism in place for how things are happening um i'm coming to
1: believe more and more now that it's possible that they're selecting people to see certain things and record certain events at certain times mm -hmm. um i'm believing that more and more now um because there's times i go out on my own for two three weeks at a time to film and i'm out there for hours on end and i won't catch anything nothing but satellites or you know, uh, space junk coming into the atmosphere and burning up, uh, nothing I would call extraterrestrial or UFO or anything of that nature. And then there's times where I'm just sitting on the couch, watching a movie, you know, we just had dinner relaxing and boom, I get that overwhelming sensation. Like I have to go outside right now. Right. And I go out film and boom, I catch something. And uh, I've been watching this other guy now, uh, Bledsoe. Are you familiar with the guy, Bledsoe? Yes, I've heard about him, yes. Yeah, I've just recently heard about him not too long ago. and From what I understand, he's going through something similar. I'm not Mm -hmm. really up to par in his story 100%, but I've heard a few uh, encounters that he had, and it sounded very similar to mine. And I know to the general public that sounds crazy to some people. They just can't fathom something like that happening. But I'm telling you, it does happen. It is happening. And I think they're selecting, you know, certain people to see these things at certain times. And it's right.
0: it's very well, weird. Um, a friend of mine who is um in a rather important position within the community, um, and I were talking about our locations when we went to school. Like I went to um a school next to one of the archives. um that has blue book in it so anyone who wanted to be a little stocky could figure out where that was pretty quick but (laughs) um, but and then he went to um the college that had the nsa archives in it oh wow and i was like is there like something putting us in certain places? Strange like could,
1: coincidence. Huh? Right.
0: It would take me all of maybe an hour to go over to those archives. Um, and I may one day, I think I'll wait until um, another member of the community comes to Baltimore and she and I will m- take a field trip because she's planning on moving to Baltimore. Um, she and I will take a field trip and go take a look at those archives, I think, but it does feel like there's some placement. And I,
1: maybe you, you're meant to go see those archives, maybe, you know? You yes, should go do that.
0: Exactly. And I feel like Preston Dennett said a lot of the people who have experiences tend to be people who do service um, right. to humanity. And, you know, I'm a mental health professional, and you were a police officer. Yeah, so I'm,
1: I'm big on helping people. I even volunteer as a firefighter for many years, too. Um, I'm, that's, I don't know, I was born like that. Since a little kid, I've wanted to help people. And I'm sure you had the same feeling from a young age too, right? Probably to help people? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I
0: was, I've always been interested in people. I've always yeah. been very fascinated by people. In fact, I think I would have been just as happy being a sociologist or an anthropologist and just studying people. You know, I've, I went to a few countries uh in my life and i always just really wanted to be where people were and learn about the other cultures um when i watch reality tv it's a hundred percent just to find out about people you know i just want to yeah, know true. More. like i uh, i watched one recently that was based in japan and i was just like i just want to know more about japan you know like <laughs> so i don't i just wonder like what is that about us uh maybe you know a lot of people are like this Uh, And it it means nothing But I do wonder if If it's kind of a part of a plan
1: Well, I I will tell you I do believe it's a part of a plan Because just about, I would say Two weeks ago now to the day um, Andy and I And a few others, Enzo We were on the Josh and Artemis show And that night, an hour before The show started I had filmed two craft Flying over the beach and we played it, we revealed it on the show as like breaking news because it just had happened. So we showed it. And it just so happened that Enzo happened to have a star shot sitting right in front of him in the same direction from that, the same star system that I was filming those craft flight through. Enzo had that exact uh, star shot sitting right in front of him. And then, then Lizzie Borden, um, she does the witch show. Uh, which, please, she had a deck of tarot cards. And the deck of tarot cards had the exact background that Andy and I used for our show. So the three of us that all interacted with each other on that sighting, we all had something in common. Like we were all meant to talk to each other that night. Uh, Enzo had one piece of information, then Lizzie had another, and I had the footage. It was the strangest Thing. and we roll on the same show together at the same time. It was it was really a strange occurrence.
0: Great, have Have you read American Cosmic yet with um, Dr. Persolko's book? No, I have not, no. She talks about synchronicities a lot. Um, she talks about how things just seem to fall into place. And I feel like that happens a lot with this topic. Absolutely,
1: absolutely
0: another example was I was talking to um, Priscilla from Quantum Witch Cafe about yeah. one of my meditations, which was to me not the biggest deal. I was kind of introduced to a light being. was told that the light being was my soul, which is a whole nother conversation. And then we went to go see like a, a, what we call what I was told was called the Council. And then while I was on the show talking to her about it, she told me she had also been to the council. And I noticed that her backdrop while I was talking to her, which, of course, no one could have seen because it was an audio podcast, looked just like what the council room looked like almost. (laughs) Can I ask you one question?
1: Because you just said the council and that brought back. They weren't called the Council of Light by any chance, were they?
0: I didn't get that part. Maybe they just said that I was just told it was the council. And I will tell you that they were pretty uh, standoffish and rude. And that was her experience as well. They don't have much interest in talking to people coming in. I,
1: I just pulled up a photo that I found a couple days ago. I had a dream a couple months ago with beans uh, referring to themselves as the council of light. And this was the only photo I could find that reminded me of. What they wow. look like to yeah. me?
0: They definitely were sitting around in a circle,
1: and they wow. were very rude. Yes, people.
0: yes, yes.
1: Like I, like I meant nothing to them, yes. and uh, I, I was uh-huh. there at the wrong place at the wrong time. But I was there, so it just is what it is.
0: Right. that's the exactly. feeling I
1: got. Okay, right. so
0: it, so yeah, I know exactly that's, you're what you're talking about. Yeah, that's very
1: third. strange. I know that you just said that.
0: Right so they were sitting in a circle if you if she still uses that backdrop sometimes on her show so if you see it it might trigger something for you but they were sitting in a circle in chairs and everything was on a platform so like when you came up you would have had to step up on the platform to get near them and they just were like go away like why are you here that's the same
1: feeling i got from them like yeah right why are you here you don't belong here exactly right and she
0: said the same thing that's they so strange are, and, and I was taken there by, like, a light being that claimed to be both me, myself, and my soul, essentially, and a grandmother. Like, explaining that it was very old, I think. Okay. And it was, it was like, outside of myself, but supposedly also me. And it was very strange. Yeah, the, the, the dream that
1: I remember, I was flying in this dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember before I started flying, I saw myself laying in my bed and then i had flown away from my body and then i just kept flying up and 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 i was just visiting all these different places in my dream and uh, my wife tells me i have to stop eating chocolate before bed because that's why i'm having all these crazy dreams but um yeah i kept flying up and up and up and up and i ended up on this beautiful planet and uh they were there having a conversation amongst themselves and i kind of like butted in and they were kind of like really pissed off that I was there. Uh, but I still chalk these things up to dreams is how I still chalk it up, but it's very possible. Like I said, these things are meant to be and they happen at the right place at the right time. And well,
0: you'll you get to, the knowledge
1: when you're supposed to have it or something like that.
0: For you to just have run into them. And then for me to talk to you about it. Yeah, like right that's, after, that's, 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 weird. that's too strange of an occurrence. Oh, I right. Yeah. too. And then Priscilla's backdrop, like it was like that's so close to what it looked like. It wasn't exactly close. Yeah, so that's like ah, that's so weird. But like I'm not the only person that has met the light being that's your soul, but not you. Like it's like outside of you, but is you, it's so weird, right? That's very weird. And then the other one I was telling um Grant Cameron that I had meditated, it was a two part meditation. The first one I was in space and i was just like okay like what's why am i in space nothing's going on i'll just go with it and then i noticed that like there were like kind of objects around me and they told me to dance and then the next time i meditated i went back to space and there there was a, a uap and i was told to lay into it and told to dance and i was basically told that i would have to make it dance if I wanted to pilot it, really? Yes, and I it was it almost like engulfed me, like and I, it it's hard to explain. It's it was the top of it. I laid down and it engulfed me, and um, I'm still working on making it dance. But it is it's an extension of yourself, is what I was told, and it, it connects to you, and it's like almost like a living backpack, you know, <laughs> that's, that's wild. Right. And I told, I've told a couple people about that, including Grant Cameron. And he said, that's something other people have uh, said to really? him. And Preston Dennett said uh, something similar also. So it seems to be an interesting trend, which is why I was asking about your experience or understanding of that. Well, I,
1: I, I ask a few people now I've asked a few people now that had similar experiences. I, have you ever picked up in a dream or an experience where you left off because I do that quite often
0: what do you mean by
1: uh, left off okay so like uh for example you have let's say you have a dream or you have an out-of body experience and let's say you go on uh, I don't know the moon with these beings let's say right just just human me for a second and then I don't know you woke up. But then you go back to sleep three nights later and you're having a a dream, let's say, and then you end up on the moon with these beings again, right where you, you know, ended up the last time in that encounter. Has that ever happened?
0: I have that with my meditations consistently. Um, So I like not to I don't want to talk too much about myself. Like, I feel like I am too much already. But like, yeah, I I will tell you more about it later. But I will say that um, I been meditating a long time i don't meditate like with a tutor or a style or anything and um it's been pretty consistent all the time and things tend to be still there when i come back is the best way to put it yeah yeah um i will tell you that i'll tell you more about him when we're done yeah i course. really want to i want to tell you uh, talk to you more about your experiences sure. but but um like one thing that's interesting is that one part of that is if I go sit on the beach that is there, sometimes these little beings come around and they come to like comfort me or just listen to me, if that makes sense.
1: I would love that to happen. It, it could be happening now and I'm just not realizing it yet right. because um, I refer to them as the shadow people in my house. I see them all the time. And uh, a couple months ago, I worked at a theory. I think that they come as these shadow beings and watch you all the time, mm-hmm. uh, try to see what you're like all the time, if you're right. kind, if you're loving, if you're caring. And I just think they're around us all the time, but we can't see them. And every mm-hmm. now and then you get that glimpse at the corner of your eye of like that shadow being. Right. I think that's them. I think that's them watching us.
0: Well, some people say that th- that's possibly happening because they're in a different dimension. dimension or, right. Right. But the other theory is that they're always been here. They're always sharing the space with us, and we haven't been able to per- fully perceive them because of our physical limitations. So I don't know. It's There's so many things that are unexplained, which is why it's a fascinating mystery that Certainly. we want to break down and try to figure out so i want to get back to you a little bit more i'm sorry i talked so much about my own stuff not at all i I love it i can
1: go on all day listening i know i know
0: it's it's so fascinating um but another thing that you mentioned was you mentioned um greer and i noticed that you mentioned ce5 on your youtube channel so do you um formally practice ce5
1: i i was big on the uh, ce5 when it came out and the whole practice of it but then i found that just meditating and relaxing and getting yourself in that clear state of mind where you're at one with everything and you're at peace with yourself and you just tune out the world that's all you really need to do for me
0: anyway and and i i guess do you feel um any kind of physical energy when you do that um something that might be like triggering chakras or increasing electricity in your body whatever way you absolutely. Wanna, yeah
1: absolutely yeah i feel that increasing electricity
0: absolutely that tingling feeling right. i do yeah yeah because i i have experienced that for years and i didn't know what to call it but i can actually i, I don't have so much luck and i've t- i told priscilla about this actually so much up with the um what do they call this one? The pineal gland? And the all pineal that. gland, the third yeah. eye, yeah. Right, the third eye. She she told me how to magnify it, which was interesting. She said, you you know, put quartz on either side of your head and all that. Um, I And I found a way, like if I wear um a circlet, I can sense it a little better. But I've always felt it from my gut. And I always said it was like a gut instinct. But I feel like I, I can almost interact with it if that makes sense.
1: Does make sense. I'm very empathic, so I can I can feel people's um energy. I can feel like when somebody's a bad mm-hmm. person, I could feel it right, right away. Or if somebody's upset, like I absorb that energy. Uh, I've always been like that. And um I find that if I when I meditate also, I can almost see the color when my eyes mm-hmm. are shut. That's right. emanating out of me, my aura, I can almost see it.
0: Right.
1: Uh, which is I found very strange also, Uh, but uh, when I meditate and I relax, I find that I'm able to make better contact with things, uh, you know, whether you want to call them UFOs or orbs or spirit beings or whatever you like to call them. I just find that when I'm in that Zen place where everything is perfect, things tend to uh, happen more for me, opposed to just running out, oh, I'm going to go out and film for a couple hours, and then nothing happens, but right. if I get right in that zone where everything's perfect, things tend to happen you know, more for me, for whatever reason, yeah. so I think the CE5 works.
0: Okay. How do you feel about um, some of the scandalous aspects of Steven Greer, like, you don't have to say if you don't want to. But... No, absolutely.
1: Because, uh, funny you bring that up because just about a week ago I had, uh, written to him and I wrote emailed uh, email to him, you know, I would love to have you come on my show and talk, you know, and, uh, I got back like a nasty email, like, oh, you don't have enough subscribers and we need somebody that has at least 200,000 followers to even think about coming on your show. And I was like, wow talk about arrogant and I, you know i donated a couple thousand dollars to this guy uh to crowd fund for his movies uh, because i thought they were i thought the work was important and i mean i thought that was very arrogant i it wasn't from him personally but it was from like his head uh Hansel there i won't mention names but i just found that so arrogant somebody that's talking about getting just that one percent can make a difference and, and then you, you know, somebody that was interested in your work, you do that to really, really upset me.
0: Yeah, yeah I've actually um, heard about some other things related to him um, from behind the scenes. And it actually, oddly enough, my response is, I want to ask him questions. I have questions. You know, I really do. Um, I don't really so much care about. Uh, the drama related to him charging people that everyone's getting upset about I want to know how he went from someone who was really like hardcore getting disclosure right really yep. focused on that to where he's at now um, it's, it's like he
1: got turned he got a taste of the money
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: was it I mean because right. he's charging like $3,600 to go out for like the weekend and do sky watching and stuff like that I mean that's absurd
0: right. that's
1: absurd if it's so important for you to get that one percent to change if one percent can make that big change in consciousness you should be doing it for free till you get to you know you get your point across to make it work but i mean we're talking about a guy that took five hundred thousand dollars for like that free energy device thing he was gonna do and nothing ever came of it and now right. he's talking about taking donations for the same exact thing free energy uh, device that he took money for a couple of years ago and brought nothing to the table with it. He's doing it all over again now. So, you know, what do mm-hmm. you think people forgot about that?
0: Well, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't like the. I just want to know what happened with the turning point. Cause I really feel like when I look back at what his early work was, it's impressive. Um, exactly. He was, it's, it's his work that touched the Clinton campaign or I should say the Clinton presidency so much. And that of course triggered a whole bunch of other things. Um, And, you know, we just had um, the black vault was just talking about all of the documents under the uh, Obama presidency. Um, And I feel like, well, Clinton was a part of that presidency also. So I feel everything just kind of got trickled out. he great. has them
1: in this book here, Extraterrestrial Contact, uh, Greer. Right. He has all the documents uh, that he had in here. And it's a great book about every uh, his earlier work. And I don't know what happened from then to now.
0: Right. I don't know. But I will say, um, I do know, I heard, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, that his push for the extraterrestrial hypothesis scared Congress away also. So they were actually at a point where they were interested, but his push for that particular hypothesis made people wary. And I think that's still the case today. Like, people still don't want to say that. Have you noticed that? Yes, I do.
1: But I think that the government doesn't want to admit the extraterrestrial stuff that's going on because they're too in bed with oil and coal companies and, Mm -hmm. and gas prices and making money like that. Because if you could really reverse engineer a craft, there's gotta be some kind of free energy on there that could probably power the the world. And they just don't, uh, they don't want to lose the money. Therefore they don't tell us about the technology. That's how I see it. And if there's, if these, these beings are millions of years, maybe even a billion years more advanced than us, they probably have technology that could cure cancer, uh, cure AIDS, uh, Pure all kinds of sicknesses mm-hmm. and it's more important for big pharma to make the money and for congressmen to make the money and congresswomen to make the money so they keep all that stuff hidden and when you mm-hmm. try to bring disclosure to the table they don't allow it because money's more important it's all about the almighty dollar and that's what it always comes down to and it's, it's sad in-
0: it's interesting because i've I've gotten this impression lately about what if we were in a world that didn't involve money, where everything was just about making sure people at homes that they were fed, um, that they were protected and safe, and then they could increase their spiritual, like essence, you know, like like yogis, you know, like what if everyone yeah. like i would love to just sit around and do art all day right like i wouldn't <laughs> right i love to paint you know i would love to do that or write books or write stories you know um and i feel like they that idea is so scary to people who like capitalism right yeah and they they call it other things they call it communism and socialism and that's so scary to people that they can't embrace that idea
1: right right right
0: and it's so unfortunate because i think we have enough space on this planet we have enough food um i once saw a documentary where they said you could put everyone on the planet in one state that's how much space we have and look at Alaska. It's way bigger than it's shown on the map, right? right? That's that alone. We would we would be able to put everyone on the planet in Alaska and still have enough space. Like everyone yeah. could probably have a house, you know, in Alaska. True. True. So. I, I,
1: I tend to believe what you were just saying. Like that's probably when the extraterrestrials are going to make contact. That's probably when we'll have disclosure, is when the world sees things in that way. When it's about caring for your fellow man and not caring about money and material things, and caring for your elders and the and your neighbor, and you know that's that's probably what they're waiting for us to become more caring people like that before they really make themselves known. You know, I think right now we're just too evil. We, we we're about war and we're about hate, right. and we fight with each other over the dumbest things. Like just look at our community, for example. You got so many people infighting about the dumbest right. things and making entire shows about the stupidest things and right. fighting with each other there's no need for that we're a small community as is we should all be there to help one another and lift each other up i i just mm-hmm. don't get it that's what it should be about
0: well you know i tried to <laughs> i try to put out that positive messaging with andy and enzo and that Chris was beautiful that's what it should be about yeah. Yeah, and I, and then right after the uh, peaceful disclosure event, things continued the way they were before, if not, it's not worse. Stop. It's right, not and stop. and I think people like the drama that that is involved and in being hurtful or acting hurt, you know. So it's it's not always they're the ones hurting, but. It's like entertainment to them.
1: You know, Deb, I'm I'm fairly new to the uh, YouTube community. I'm, I'm only involved now a little over a year. And, you know, it seems like when I got into it, I, I landed on some of the wrong channels. I want to say I won't mention names, but, you know, I, I saw some things as funny. and this, But I had no clue that all this stuff was going on. And then as I learned more and made friends with more people and seen different people's aspects of how things should be, I'm like, ah, I belong on this side. This is how I I view things, not on this side. And I wish more people would find more of those channels and see what it really should be about because it's horrible on that negative side. It makes you feel terrible inside. It's it's disgusting. It's
0: true. Like for me, my messaging is really, I just want to help the public be prepared. I want to educate people. I want them to know what's going on. Um, I created uh the ufo connector hoping that everyone would collaborate and come in and want to be a part of that and just kind of get people ready right um but yeah we just have to sidestep the drama to do that to like that's what it's hard some days i feel like you know a little sad for people you know i have days where i'm just sad for people going through some of the drama um i feel Bad about things that happen, and then I have to pick myself up again and say that's not what I'm here for. I you agree, know 100 right. percent I it's, have it's-
1: I have days where I don't even want to turn the TV on and watch any YouTube channels, UFO right. related, because I'm afraid of what I'm gonna see. Well, who's picking on this person or well, who's picking right. on that person? And I just, sometimes I just don't turn it on for a couple days straight, and then he's like, right. Hey, come meet me, come meet me, let's check this out, or whatever. I'm like, all oh, right, you know. But it, it's sad what's going on. It's terrible. I just started right. steering away from certain people now because, like I said, I'm I'm learning where I should be and I should be hanging out with and where I want my channel to go more towards, you know, the good mm. side than the evil side. It's but I didn't see it like that when I first started. I had, like I said, I had no clue what the hell right. was going on. I thought this was just this one person's view on things and this was another person's view on things. But it, you could really see it's like split down the middle. It's them. Right. Well, then it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's I'm just laughing because when I first came into Twitter, like my eyes were open to how social media worked, right? (laughs) And how YouTubers worked and all that. And it was so fascinating. You know, the first person that I ever spoke to in a talk space, which is when I really started to engage with people, um, was actually Vinny. (laughs) Like, it was so funny because he and I, he had started a talk space I don't know if you know Vinny. um, no. um From uh, the dis- UAP disclosure. Um, never mind. Anywho. Um, so that was like the, my entrance doing a talk space. I didn't even know what it was. I was just like, oh, what's this? And I like pressed the button. Um, and that's how I got involved with people. But like I just learned so many things so quickly about people in social media that I was not really aware of before. Yeah. And I think. The cautionary tale here is that there's going to be other people who are new, who are going to be coming in. Maybe they were people that had only tweeted what they ate for dinner for like years and years. And now they want to know about this topic Um, and I really want them to have a soft landing. That's what I want for everybody. I want everyone to want to be able to come talk to me about this. I want everyone to, you know, who has questions to find someone who's going to give them an answer um, I really would like the community to give people a soft landing. I yeah. don't think, you know, some people are really um, against ufology and stuff like that right now as a whole. And they're saying, you know, we have to go the science route, but blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's necessary to do that. What I think is necessary is for us to be open-minded and accepting, Absolutely. Of Absolutely. you know, and, and it's, I, I think it's 100% okay if someone doesn't agree with my hypothesis or what I want, you know. Yep. I mean, I've, I'm, I
1: have, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly new to Twitter. I've only been on Twitter a couple months now. And I already had somebody clone my account. And they wow. started writing all, I, and I didn't even know about it. Andy found it. They started putting all these derogatory things on there towards people and wow. Elizondo wow. and all that. And then. Last week, I'm, I'm typing to Elizondo. I'm like, you can come on my show anytime you want. Have a safe platform to talk. I love to talk to you. And then I'm getting all these messages back, like, you bashed Elizondo on, on Twitter, and you put all these evil things. I'm like, what? I've never said two words about this guy. And uh, then I found out I had a cloned account. Somebody had made a bogus wow. uh, Twitter account about me that I had have taken down. And it's just so messed up. Like, are people really that crazy to do something like that to try to bash another channel? It's so childish.
0: Yeah, I, I can't understand it. I think it must be a competitive thing, right? Like it has to be. And People I, I think guess, they're going
1: to become millionaires on, on YouTube. It shouldn't be about money. It's about disclosure. That's what it should be about.
0: Yeah, I don't know um, if you've gotten a chance to look at my, <clears throat> my webpage. Sorry, but it's really all about just highlighting everybody, right? So I guess I'm at the opposite end of that. I'm like... Yeah, everyone should be appreciated. Everyone's views should be recognized. I have a whole bunch of different hypotheses on there. And I try to find information for those. Um, I have people like Bob Lazar on there. I have Billy Meyer on there. Uh, George Aramonsky. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I have people on there because I want people to just know. And then you make your decision on your own. Are right,
1: you- right. That's how I see it. I was going to have, uh, I was looking to have Michael Horn on. And then um, I I was double booked. So I had to, you know, postpone Michael for, for when he's free again. I don't know when, but to talk about Billy Meyer. And I got so many evil emails over that. I'm like, but not everybody thinks like you think. Some people right. want to know the Billy Meyer story. I grew up with that. I want to know more about that. I don't care about all the other BS that's in between. I just want to know about the story and what, you know, Michael thinks about Billy Meyer because Billy don't do interviews no more because he's like in his late 80s now. But Mm -hmm. if anybody knows the most about Billy Meyer, it's Michael Horn. And who better to have on than Michael Horn, Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, people don't want you to have like Richard Doty on because he was like the disinfo guy. Mm -hmm. But I I want to know what led up to him becoming that disinfo guy and where he went from there to now, and what are his, his views now? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he doesn't have to do that kind of work anymore. But people don't yeah. see it like that. You know, it's one-sided. It's, you know, what they want, and that what you want is crazy.
0: Yeah, I got in trouble yeah. for trying to defend the perspective that Richard uh, Doughty, or Doughty uh, may actually be trying to turn the page and right. make amends. Yeah. I got, I got, you know, I got pretty close to <laughs> making someone really upset with me for that, <laughs> you know, but I, I um, went through the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know, so the community needs some help. And so we will move forward, of course, and keep trying to bring them to a more positive place. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about what brought you in, which is your experiences, right? Yeah. Um, w- one question I had was, you know, you were mentioning that these objects were not satellites; um, they were um, not stars. You know, it's pretty clear they're not. They're moving, you know, and they're pretty bright. Do you do right. the roll, Do you do the rollouts? Because I think that's important course, for people. Of course, absolutely.
1: Know. I have all kinds of software that come out with me. Satellite tracking apps. I take my laptop and an iPad out with me, right. and the phone. So I have three different pieces of software running. So right. I satellite tracker. I have the uh iss tracker Mm -hmm. and then i have the radar uh tracking system that tells you all the planes that are in your general area and i just got the um starlink uh site that tells you when starlink flies over or just one of their general satellites that aren't Mm -hmm. on the nasa satellite uh, page so i'm constantly looking at that then i use a range finder to try to determine Mm -hmm. how far an object is but that's kind of hard to use i was Kind of shitty piece of equipment to buy because how you gonna like uh, range in on an object you know a hundred thousand feet up or something like that's impossible. Mm-hmm. But I just try to get every piece of uh, equipment that I could to to show. Right. Hey, look, I use all these pieces of gear, and when it's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's not a satellite or the ISS or Starlink. What mm-hmm. else can it be? It's an unknown. Now, right. if I say it's a UFO. I'm not saying there's little green men flying around in that craft. I'm I'm using the the actual term that's right. in the dictionary, unidentified mm-hmm. flying object. I right. could not ident- identify this craft. And uh, that's the only time I'll put it up on my channel is when I cannot I uh, identify it. You know, right. that's the only time I'll put it up.
0: Yeah, so one of the videos that's on your channel looks like it's from somebody else. Um, it's I've caught PD on there. It was a flur video. It was what looked like a white, um, or oh, Yeah, video. Yeah, those
1: yeah. are mine. I, I have a flare camera.
0: Um, but there was it was this like December. I have it written down because I wanted to ask you about it. Um, let me see if I can find that. It's I'll look at it up with you. Long Beach, leaking UAP is what I wrote down. Oh. Two thousand and four. Okay, yeah. that's the
1: Long Beach Police Department, the, yeah. the helicopter that was following. Okay, I know that one, yeah.
0: Yeah, did you, is that still unidentified? I was just curious about that one. It is. That, that was actually a
1: pretty big case. Uh, the Long Beach, California Police Department uh, helicopter was up. Apparently they were, uh, just had finished doing a uh, a high speed, uh, they were chasing somebody that, uh, traffic infractions, whatever he did. And then the, cap, the, the chopper was going back to port and, uh, they noticed that object on the FLIR camera and you actually see it leaking uh, all that stuff and dropping orbs out of it. And uh, yeah, that was a pretty big case. Uh, That's still unfound to this day. They have no idea what they filmed and they could not see that craft with their naked eyes. Uh, Only the flare picked it up. Right. So once they shut the flare off on that, they couldn't see the craft. And when they put the flare back on, the the craft is back in front of them. So that's, that was a pretty sick uh, case that somebody sent to me. It's, Actually, one of my favorite ones.
0: Right. Well, and the reason I was so interested is because I've seen so many similar um, incidents where there's like almost like a plasma involved. Yeah. And then, and I used to call UAPs uh, Russian dolls. They go from something oh, like nesting dolls. Yeah, like, you know, they, cooler, right. Yeah, you know, things come out. Yep. From a bigger source, um, spheres come out of uh, saucers. Saucers come out of tic-tac, tacs You know, um, you know. So I've, I found it really interesting. I was really wanted to know if that was still unidentified. And it and is. it. So you also mentioned at one point in one of your videos that um, one of the sightings you had the object phased in. Um, so mm-hmm. what do you think? I, I, I wonder if the time dilation has something to do with that phasing in, uh, the time uh, loss that we also have. What do you think is the their mechanism?
1: Well, that's funny you bring that up. We just had uh, Christo Rapolo on the show uh, uh-huh. last week, uh, the curse of the man that sees uh, UFOs from Netflix. And um, he brought a physicist with him that uh, went through his recent footage uh, that he had. And he believes uh, he got some really detailed photos of the craft That Mm -hmm. is a square within uh, a sphere, and he believes that square is a portal, Mm -hmm. and the little ones come out of that. And when the the craft align in a perfect triangular pattern, and you see that uh, triangle pattern in the sky, it makes a a gateway. So those three craft uh, energize that square up, and then it opens up uh, like a portal for them to come out into this dimension. That was his theory on it. And the physicist, uh, Chris Masson, uh, that did the the work on that uh, with the Scientific Journal, he sent me like uh, 10 or 15 pages of it all broken down in mathematical equations, Uh and it all fit. The science all fit the sighting perfectly. And then 60 Minutes Australia was discussing a similar sighting when a pilot uh, chased a square inside a cube. And that's exactly what Christo had. Now sixty right. the, the pilots from the sixty minute show couldn't figure out what that square in the cube was. And then Christo filmed it a couple months later and had all the science broken down on it. So that's really interesting if you want to see that. That's up on the channel. Or I could send you the, yeah. the scientific papers on that. It's it's I would it's love that. Scientific mumbo jumbo, but I don't know yeah. uh, if you're familiar with the physics, but
0: yeah, it's if you so if, hard to if, follow. I would love to. I've put that up on the connector, probably under nuts and bolts. Um, the other thing that was interesting about that to me um, is I've heard other people say that these crafts go into formation for energy purposes. And I exactly. noticed. Yeah. And I noticed that you had um, a lot of formations in your photos and videos that you were seeing a lot of that formation. Yep. Um, there's a former uh, NASA astronomer who's come forward. I'm not going to say his name right. It's like Marion Rubik or something like that. He also was talking about formations. And apparently when his sighting, one of the crafts seemed to have fallen out of formation and the others kind of moved around to help it basically come back.
1: I filmed that. Um, You've seen that too? Occasion. Oh,
0: yeah. I have
1: it on film right now. It's up on my channel. Right. You, you see the, the craft, I have three of them in tight formation. Uh And then I I shine a laser on it and the top one comes down to the bottom one. And the bottom one goes back around to the top and they make a different formation, almost as if they were checking the laser out to make sure it was safe. So they all swarmed around each other and they got back in formation and took off crazy stuff. But uh, the science behind what Crystal was saying really made a lot of sense that the craft all lock on to uh, specific targets uh, to create like a a gate for them to keep coming in or out of this dimension, Mm -hmm. which makes perfect sense. And uh, Chris Masson, the physicist, agreed with it a hundred, you know, a hundred percent. He said the math all fit uh, the way Crystal had explained it. And Mm -hmm. there's no
0: disproving mathematics. I mean, right. And the thing that, That I've been kind of saying lately is that I don't think that these um, objects are flying from space the way that, you know, we might with, you know, when we're going to Mars. Absolutely not. All right. I think that they're, they may be in our outer orbit, you know, or, but not very far even um, coming from portals from there. Absolutely. Um, I also think they might also be doing the same in the water. I think that they're using the ocean to do the same thing. I don't know one would be more beneficial than the other for, for them, you know. Well, um, um,
1: the physicist Mr. Massan had said that water has three very specific uh, molecules that are needed. So it's very possible that when they come here, they have enough mm-hmm. energy to come. But they're seen around water so much is because they probably need the uh, I forget what he said protons or neutrons that are in the water. To form whatever chemical makeup they need to power the craft to go back. Okay. So that that was one of his hypotheses that he believed okay. they were using water as an energy source.
0: Yeah, I've I've a, heard stories. Yeah, we hear stories about UAPs taking water. I yes. believe there's one story floating around about one taking all of the water from a lake. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> like, that.
1: Yeah, you see the the disc sucking the water up into the craft. Yes. Yeah, it's, you- it's very it's very common.
0: Right. I wonder, <laughs> I wondered if they were taking that water because they needed it, but if they need it for energy purposes, that would probably work too, right? Right. Um, so why do you think, um, I know we're running a little over, I don't know how much time Absolutely. you want to give me, but I was going to I gonna have a the time in the world. Okay. I, why do you think that they're here? Why do you think um, they've come or you know, live here with us? We don't know, but... Why do you think they're all about here?
1: I think they're very concerned uh, about how we develop our nuclear weapons and how we use them. I, I strongly believe, I now I know they've been here since biblical times and probably even before then, but I think that they really got interested when we learned how to split the atom. Uh, I even think that when we're testing and we're just dropping nuclear bombs to test them, the sheer force and power that comes from it could send ripple effects through different timelines and different dimensions. And I think once we were able uh, to split the atom and do that and interfere with their world, they started coming here even more. In fact, they may even have bases here that we don't even know about because they're so concerned about that. And then that goes right back into the the dream, the encounter that I had when they were talking about not bringing nuclear weapons into space, uh, that it would be hazardous to us because... Uh, so many different extraterrestrial factions would come down here and destroy us because that would be the last straw. I think that we're messing with things that we have no reason to be messing with, and it pisses them off, and they don't think that we should be uh, touching it. It's something that we probably learned how to do by mistake, and we're probably way ahead of our time when it comes to nuclear stuff, and uh, they don't want us playing around with it.
0: Yeah, they probably see us as like kids on a playground with a giant bomb, right? Right, because... (laughs) Uh, how many times were they
1: seen around those nuclear silo bases where they mm-hmm. shut the missiles down? Right. And there were uh, inciden- incidences where uh, we sent a missile up to go into space and a craft, uh, I remember the story, a craft shot the laser at the missile and knocked it right out of the sky.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: those are all documented cases. And it all comes back to the nuclear weapon aspect of things. Right. So,
0: And it, it does seem to be what they're using to attract them nuclear materials um they're very interested in these ships which seem to have something to do with nuclear right yeah yeah they um have been seen around silos and you know i i do wonder why it is that they didn't intervene when we set the bombs off in japan um Obviously. Maybe maybe they're
1: not allowed to intervene or interfere. Mm-hmm. Maybe it, it changes dynamics of things if they did. Uh, right? Maybe you know. Maybe everything's already uh, planned out the way it should be, and if they intervene, it could change something on a timeline or something like that. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I um, I did read in the Artie Clark book, Artie Killer Clark, that some of them are just explorers. They're just looking at us. Um, so it could be, yeah, they're just trying to keep their hands off, but uh, yeah, I do get the feeling that a lot of people expect them to parent us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It would be nice, especially, uh, everything that's going on in Ukraine right now, if they just came down and I don't know, zapped a few things and scared a few people off and made everything go back to a peaceful uh, world. That would be lovely. But how many wars have we had? where they didn't intervene already? How many tragedies were there that they didn't intervene already? If they didn't intervene then, I don't think they are going to intervene
0: now. Interestingly enough, the stories related to war tend to not be so positive for us. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, when we have been in wars and UAPs have shown up, they have ended up being aggressive towards us during those battles. And I imagine it's a defensive response. That's what how I see it. Like, they possible. Are- Pretty on edge when we're battling each other. I mean,
1: other. Uh, World War II, we had what the Foo Fighters that flew around our yes. pilots, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they've been reporting it since the beginning of time. It's there's photos in the Bible that depict right. they, craft in the sky, and you know people pointing up to the craft in the sky, and uh, they've been around forever. But I think now we're we're fighting with fire right now. We have technology that we shouldn't have right now. We're polluting our planet We're killing off wildlife and fish and forests and we're destroying the world. So Mm -hmm. I think they're trying to make us see what a beautiful place that we have. And uh, we better clean it up real quick, or we're not going to have it to play with for much longer. And uh, hopefully, hopefully uh, people wake up.
0: Yeah, it makes me pretty sad. I feel um, I try to appreciate what we have on this planet whenever I can. Um, and I feel like the younger gener- generation's getting it though. You know, if, you when you hear how open minded they are about people's differences and how they want to defend people's um, differences and their mental health, they're defending mental health so much more. Um, and they were raised in a world where they cared about the planet, very different right. from when I was 16. Yeah, me too yeah everything was everything about um trying to get people to be treated equally was a struggle, right? Now yeah. it's like a big public push for it. Um, Very true. Th- things about um, the environment were like, oh no, there's a hole in the ozone, but that was it. Like now right. it's like we need to recycle. Let's be a part of programs and volunteer, and you know things like that. So, I think there's a change, uh, maybe a little late in some ways, but I think there's a change happening with humanity as a whole. At least, at least in our country, the problem yeah. is the problem is, of course, other countries have their own set of guidelines and rules. Um, I can't help but think, for instance, um, China has a lot of pollution but I feel like their motivation to improve it has more to do with image to the rest of the world than necessarily the same motivation to, you know, clean up. very Uh, true. And some other countries are looking at us just going, no, 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 you don't do that to the planet. They're already judging us. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So the judgment goes back and forth, but yeah. (laughs) So I had, um, I'm just going to ask you one final question. Um, in appreciation of your time i'm looking through all these questions i had for you and it's amazing that we pretty much just naturally already spoken about them but Mm -hmm. the one question that i didn't quite get to was um if you if you are someone who's seen your videos which of course you have but for the public, Um, you notice that you have these sightings in other locations outside of New York. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you get, why do you think it is that you've had so many? Why do you think they tend to follow you? Um, Why do you think they maybe have you in their plan as we spoke about earlier?
1: I don't think they're following me. Uh, I I, I like to think uh, it's just right place at right time usually But like I said, sometimes I get that feeling where I have to run outside and film and something will happen. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say I'm the chosen one because I do not feel like that. But there are many of us that have similar occurrences. I think we're just a small group of people that are like-minded and like-spirited. And we're just fortunate enough to have that experience. That's just how I see it.
0: Right. So you don't think it's... um... You know, I wonder sometimes if, it, in addition to the fact that you definitely some have some kind of connection with the possibility of even having been on on a craft and not remembering or something like that because you had that time loss. Right. I, um, I'm wondering sometimes if they're kind of watching us or just studying certain people. You know, and it seems like like you. I've spoken to other people where wherever they go, this is happening. So I just wonder if you felt like there was any kind of pattern to that, any kind of sense to make of that. No, nope. Nope. no, still unknown. I, I
1: really, it's still unknown. I really wish I could put a pattern into it, but there's, there's just nothing. It just, it just happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard to explain. It really is. It's so weird too, uh, because, you know, There's so many people that could turn around and say, oh, this guy's he's a nut job, or this guy, you know, he's just at the right place or at at the right time. Or he's filming birds, or he's filming satellites. But I know without Mm -hmm. a shadow of a doubt what Mm -hmm. I'm filming
0: because I feel
1: an inside, you know? And I've spoken to others that do the same thing that are fortunate enough to capture these crafts, and they feel the same way. So, like I said, maybe... uh, I don't want to say chosen, you know, because that sounds so so selfish. Maybe... uh, it has to work out to a right place, right time, maybe, or I don't know, maybe I meditate and I I pick up on a frequency and they, they tune in on you. I don't have an answer for that. I really wish I did. I don't, Mm -hmm. I would like to say I do, but that would just be naive.
0: Yeah. I do wonder if more people had that knowledge, if it would be problematic because sometimes I even have laughed or joked about Imagine you're a consciously controlled craft or object or biological, whatever you want to call it, right? And you tune into like a beacon and you think, well, that must be one of my people. I'm going to go over there. And it's a human being <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> you know, like how many false calls are they getting and getting irritated by? You know, I'm just like, <laughs> I laugh about that. Like how many times have they been like, that's not ET phoning home. Why do they keep messing with us? You know? <laughs> hey, who
1: knows? Maybe in a past life, I was an alien. Or maybe in a past life, you mm-hmm. were an alien. And maybe they, they this is their mm-hmm. way of... Uh, Keeping in communication with us without us even remembering or realizing it, and uh, every now and then we get a glimpse of it. Like we're mm-hmm. still here watching you and protecting you. Could right. be something like that. There's so many theories. It's mind boggling, you know. To right. Just pick one. Um, but they're definitely there. They're definitely right. here. They're definitely in our airspace. They're definitely under our water. And uh, if you go outside and mm-hmm. you uh, and you focus and you get yourself a good night vision camera, you, you will pick something up eventually. It will happen,
0: right? I think another yeah. I think that's another factor. Paying attention, you know how many people look up when when something's flying overhead anymore. Exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, I can't even imagine how many things I'm missing right now by being inside. You know, fifty of them could have flew over right now, and I could have missed that. But if I was outside filming right now, it could have happened. I could have caught it. So, go, you know, before you say that it's quack science or it's birds or you're seeing this or you're seeing that, go outside and, and, and try to experience it for yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Try to make,
1: you know, try to figure out what's going on for yourself before you contradict it or knock it. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, there's a very good chance you're going to see something if you stay out there and look up long enough. It's very possible. Right. And, and, and sometimes, sometimes I go weeks without seeing anything. So, you know, just don't go out one night for two hours and think, you know, you're going to see a UFO because I doubt that's going to happen. It could, but I would definitely go out, you know, a, a couple hours a night or sit out on your back deck. And even if you get yourself a good pair of binoculars and just, you know, pick a pick a, you know, whether it's Orion's belt, you're going to look at or the Pleiades and just focus on that one area of sky and just keep checking it periodically. And I, I'm telling you, you'll probably will will see something eventually. It's bound that's to happen.
0: It's funny you should have say Orion. Because that's kind of where my like I was looking before I saw the orb, and it was kind of like a -a peekaboo orb. (laughs) It was
1: uh, uh, Orion, and the Orion that's one of my favorite areas to look at in the sky.
0: Yeah, I was looking at Orion, and uh, just as I started to kind of give up and turn away, I caught out of the corner of my eye a white orb and I watched it go really quickly, really quickly zip. And it felt like it was saying hello. (laughs) It was just like a little cute hello, yeah. I thank them almost every
1: time when i when you know, yeah. I see something like, Oh, thank you so much, this is so cool. Or sometimes the sighting is so amazing, I have videos of me and then, Yeah, oh my god, what's up, buddy? This
0: is awesome, I can't believe it,
1: you know, because right. the experience is just amazing. It's very overwhelming to have an experience mm. like that, you know,
0: yeah. And but it's good uh, that you have that positive feeling. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people still coming to grips, uh, still trying to become positive. It's noticeable, though, that even people who have come out as um, abduction experiencers um, have stated Mm -hmm. that they've changed how they've thought about it over time. And although they don't enjoy the um, act of being abducted, of course, it can be very invasive and scary and awful. Some of them, like Travis Walton, try to rationalize it in a more positive way. like They feel like it's happening for a positive reason, ultimately. Yeah.
1: So My, my friend, uh, Christo Rapolo, my mentor, who taught me how to signal them and everything like that, he, he told me that if you deny it before it happens, it'll never happen. You almost have to have that childlike innocence about yourself to, 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 to have it happen to you. You have to welcome the entire experience. Uh, Because if you don't welcome the whole entire experience and really want it to happen and believe with every fiber of your being that it's possible to see something extraterrestrial, it will never happen. And Mm -hmm. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that's the truth.
0: It's really interesting because um, I wish, again, that I could talk to Dr. Pasolko about things like that. because. Um, if you notice the archives of the impossible of rice university got put under religion right and there's a belief element connected to this and that there's an element of um, getting a calling and all these things that actually are very parallel to religion Um, yeah and even to the point where people get get fired for this belief and then get to sue like the you know why would they win that lawsuit because it's right you know it's almost like a religion it's like it's a belief, right well there's some colleges
1: right now that are studying ufology right now you could take courses in that and right. i think that's that's awesome that right. you could do that now 20 30 years ago that would never happen you know but right. today the world becoming more open to the subject and that's 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 very important very important yeah.
0: And I love the Galileo project, but I was really amused to find out a university in Germany kind of beat them to it. They already had UAP sensors on their roof.
1: (laughs) Really? I didn't hear that.
0: Yeah. If if you you start looking around internationally, they're in a very different place than we are in other countries, especially South America. It's just very different. Um, Mexico worked with research groups their government worked with research mm-hmm. oh, groups yeah. on this yeah. topic, you know, like it's just very different. They, the you know, United States
1: is so far behind the game when it comes to ufology. Uh They just started really coming to the, to the, to the uh, mainstream now with it and admit yeah. that it's a real thing. Mexico, uh Colombia, uh Venezuela. They've Brazil. been on that talking mm-hmm. about that Brazil. They've been talking about that since their eighties and seventies right. and, it's been an open topic for years. Even Iran and Iraq right. uh, had pilots uh, chase craft and it was out in, in the open to find out the information on, but not the United States. Yeah, I the think last that- one for the
0: game. Yeah, I think other countries l- literally will put on the radio, oh, there's a UAP sighted here and here and here. Yeah, so, like a right second. Yeah, right. right yeah, like Right it's... now. So go take a look. Normal, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but we're not there. We, we have this thing like the need to protect the secrecy. I know NASA um, was a factor in all of this. For instance, we were called if something fell from the sky, Project Moondust was called and had to go pick it up. NASA was involved because we had it. We had NASA. So people gave us that call. So I think that having the responsibility in that regard of going to pick up these objects really kind of um, had us shut down some things as far as, you know, being secretive. Like no one who studies this topic believes for one moment that we don't have a crashed UAP. Not even uh, for one moment. <laughs> like, so. That added, is- we, we have
1: to, because, right, th- if you, even if you believe Roswell or not, you're telling me that the military sent
0: all those
1: units out to go collect uh, weather balloons? They didn't right. know what weather balloons looked oh, like? I
0: know, no. And then Alex, s- no. I have they a. Book- they
1: up 10, 15 of them a day.
0: I have a book that's a couple inches. That right here, I don't know. Obviously, the listeners can't see this, but this one right here is just crash retrievals. It's kind of ridiculous, but Michael Charette. I don't know if mm. you're
1: familiar with Michael, mm. he is the leading investigator on crash retrievals mm-hmm. and everything UFO. The man mm. is phenomenal. He has archive after archive after archive uh, with illustrations and top notch research done on it top notch
0: i think i should probably give him a call right michael charat <laughs> yeah you really
1: should uh he's I'll we'll, we'll talk after i'll give you some information again contact him okay. because he is an awesome guy and he comes f- with all his illustrations uh phenomenal
0: right. Right. phenomenal but yeah we're it's exciting times right yeah we know we but know it it's- really is we we know there's a lot of questions still. It's one of the greatest mysteries for all of humanity. You um, just said it's one of the greatest mysteries, right? and it's just fascinating to see this mystery get closer and closer to some resolution, and seeing people step up. And I hope that all the people listening plan to help with that instead of absolutely, you know, instead of uh, deterring from it. Um, let's work together. Right.
1: And reach out to your Congress members and tell them you want answers on disclosure, because that's the only way we're going to get anything done. I think we have to keep letting the government know that we want answers. We don't want this information suppressed. We want to know
0: more. Right. I actually think um, from now on, I'm going to start trying to use the word transparency, because I feel like saying UAPs are real. That's been done. Right. That's kind of what disclosure is about. But transparency is tell us what you actually know about them, right? Exactly. And that's what we really need. So I think that's where we're going to head. I think that needs to be the new language. We need to work on transparency now because I do do suspect they know who some of these occupants are, not all of them, but some. They know where these UAPs are popping up quite a bit. Um, They know how to lure them. They know, you know, they've gotten some of the craft already for sure um you know we're we're not entirely naive (laughs) (laughs) you know i don't know why they think we don't know that it is sad that the rest of the world uh not you know the people who aren't interested in this topic are not as aware of all this but very true we'll get there
1: well we had the disclosure project maybe now deb you should start working on the transparency project that could be your new thing
0: (laughs) well i i'm working on it i'm working (laughs) and if you i try to put it all out there everything i can find right
1: important it's really important to put it all out there
0: it's so funny because you know it was coming into my head when you said that another thing i want to work on is the third testament (laughs) 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 like why are we not updating people come on it's time to update (laughs) it's true it's so true (laughs) it's been like two thousand years let's go let's get (laughs) moving let's get let's get going (laughs) here (laughs) (laughs) okay well i want to say thank you for coming and talking to me of course when we close with recording we'll continue to have some conversations i think about some other things and i would love for you to come back another time Um, anytime
1: thank you so much for having me i can't thank you enough
0: yeah i i hope that everyone listening got enough of your experiences but we'll cover them some more another time if we have to can you please let people know where they can find you
1: sure uh we're unidentified as four we're on youtube Uh, Same name follows through Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, We're there on all your social media platforms. So come hang out with us. We're live every Sunday night, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come check out a show. Uh, We're a lot of fun. We interact with
0: our audience all the time. Come hang out.
1: Check out a show. Stay for a little while. See if you like us. Mm
0: -hmm. Very likable people. Won't be hard. So... (laughs) i want to say goodbye to everyone thank you for listening this is deb from deb's data dojo at study of uaps on linkedin twitter um youtube with the calling all beings cab family um i'm all over the place look for me at study of uaps if you want to find me i'm here to chat adios everybody bye bye